0: Okay, this morning we're going to be uh, considering the whole issue of taking initiative, and uh, we're going to be reading a passage from Proverbs chapter 6, it's going to come up behind me on the screen, Uh, I'm reading from uh, the NIV version, but if you don't have a Bible, don't worry, you can follow it on the screen behind, and uh, this is what it says, Proverbs chapter 6 verses 6 to 11 go to the ant, you sluggard. It's great, isn't it? You sluggard. Consider its ways and be wise. It has no commander, no overseer or ruler, yet it stores its provisions in summer and gathers its food at harvest. How long will you lie there, you sluggard? When will you get up from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come on you like a bandit, and scarcity like an armed man. I was um, watching a, a film last night. Uh, uh, Annette and I w- uh, had recorded a film. We watched Mandela, The Long Walk to Freedom. I don't know if you've seen it, but it's a, a remarkable uh, film about Uh, Nelson Mandela and what he went through through the 60s and 70s and 80s as he was incarcerated on Robben Island. And uh, as you watch the film, there are some moments in it that are truly profound. He is locked away for life in prison with his colleagues, and uh, they are treated so badly, so harshly by the prison guards. And as they're incarcerated in these tiny prisons, they're given uh, prison uniforms. But uh, the white uh, guy uh, with them, he's given long trousers, but all the black guys have got short trousers. And Nelson Mandela says this to one of his colleagues, he he says, this is what we're going to do, we're going to be here a long time, he says, what we're going to do is this, he says, we're going to make it our aim, I'm going to ask that we have long trousers, that we're treated like the white guys in this prison. And he makes it his amen. So he takes initiative and he says, I would like us to have long trousers. And uh, the, the film rolls, the years roll by as he's in prison. But eventually, they get uh, his, the request is fulfilled. It seems like a tiny thing. But Nelson Mandela is not prepared just to be incarcerated. He is prepared to keep pursuing what he knows is right, to be treated as an equal. And in the end, he's and you see their joy, this small victory. And yet it was a small victory that eventually, it was that same spirit that brought about a much bigger victory in the fall of apartheid in South Africa. It's an incredible story, incredible moment of watching this man take initiative in the midst of a most difficult situation. You know, the Bible is... The story of a God who's taken initiative with us. A God who broke into our world. while It says in Romans, while we were still sinners. While we were still uh, full of our pride, rebellion against God, living our own way without reference to him. It says that, God, that Christ died for us. God sent his son for us while we were like that. God took the initiative. We were never going to find a way out. We were never going to get out of the mess we were in. God took initiative. And this proverb is all about the importance of taking initiative because it's the message of the Bible. You see, through the proverbs, we find God's wisdom for life. If we want to live well, proverbs gives us godly keys. And over the last weeks, we've looked at the challenge to keep pure, We've looked at the importance of honoring our word, and this morning we're going to focus on this whole thing of taking initiative. This morning, the passage we've read, we are introduced to one of the main characters in the book of Proverbs. We've already met the fool in previous weeks. This morning, we're about to meet the sluggard. The word actually means Someone who is slothful, someone who is idle, someone who is lazy. It isn't that they're not nice people, but they are incredibly irritating. This is what Proverbs chapter 10 verse 26 says about the sluggard. As vinegar to the teeth and smoke to the eyes, so is the sluggard to those who send him. The sluggard is an incredibly frustrating person. You can't get them to do anything. They often say the right thing, but they never do it. It was John Milton in his poem Paradise Lost who said, Easy is the descent to hell, for it is paved with good intentions. Good intentions that are not fulfilled will get you nowhere. Even the word sluggard is evocative. It reminds us, doesn't it, of the slug, the common garden slug. If I said to you, you are a slug, you would not be pleased. By the way, I'm not saying that about you. But a slug, uh, when you think about a slug, a slug has no backbone. It's an invertebrate. It has no backbone. A slug slowly and aimlessly meanders across the garden. The slug eats green plants that are about to bear fruit and destroys them. The slug leaves behind this terrible, slimy trail. That's just what a sluggard is like. A sluggard has no back, backbone. A sluggard never seems to bear fruit. It causes things that are supposed to be fruitful just to not happen, not bear fruit. Leaves behind a mess. That's what a sluggard is like. And the passage that we've just read challenges us that we're not to be like that. Instead, we're to be like the ant. It says, be like the ant. It says, go to the ant, you sluggard. Consider its ways and be wise. And this morning, what we're going to do, we're going to look at the importance of taking initiative as we look at the ant and we compare it to the sluggard. You see, taking initiative is doing the right thing without being told. Now, if you're a mother here this morning and you've got a Mother's Day card from your children. You will be delighted. It will be less than a blessing if you've had to tell them and remind them several times in the weeks running up to Mother's Day that it's Mother's Day coming. Don't forget Mother's Day. If they've had to be told, it's it's less than a blessing, isn't it? Because we want to see those around us take initiative, doing the right thing without, want, without being told. And God wants to encourage us this morning, wants to provoke us, wants to inspire us to be those who take initiative. So the first thing is that God wants us to do it because, uh, wants us to be those who take initiative because it involves taking responsibility. If you're going to take initiative, it will be because you take responsibility. In Proverbs 24, verses 30 to 31, it talks about the sluggard again. And this is what it says, I went past the field of the sluggard, past the vineyard of the man who lacks judgment. Thorns had come up everywhere, the ground was covered with weeds, and the stone wall was in ruins. The point that the writer is making is that the vineyard actually belonged to the sluggard. It was his responsibility as the owner, but sadly, he was disinterested. He didn't take his personal responsibility seriously. By comparison, we read of the ant, that the ant has no commander, no overseer or ruler, and yet it seems to get on with its activity. It takes responsibility for what needs to be done. It doesn't consider what's happening around as somebody else's problem. There are all sorts of reasons why we avoid taking responsibility. Busyness, laziness, fear fear of making a mistake, fear that we'll come to personal harm. Sometimes we just have a victim mentality. We just walk through life considering ourselves as the victim. Sometimes we don't take responsibility just because it's too hard. And the verses we've read in Proverbs chapter 24, we've just read them, The issue was that the sluggard, it was poor judgment. The sluggard just takes the view I can deal with it tomorrow. It can wait. I can deal with it another day. I don't have to deal with it right now. Sometimes that whole thing of procrastination, we make ridiculous excuses. We put things off. We make excuses. And through the Proverbs, it talks about the sluggard making excuses like, there's a fierce lion roaming in the street, so I'm not going to go out. I'll be murdered in the streets. The, uh, in Proverbs 26, verse 13, the sluggard says, how foolish, how stupid, what a ridiculous argument. And the writer is poking fun at the sort of arguments, the excuses that we make. I was uh, driving along the A303 Uh, on Friday. As I'm driving along, the car is running towards empty. And if you know the A303, there are loads of petrol stations along the way. But as I'm driving along, I've got one of these uh, uh, on the dashboard. It tells me how many miles left to empty in the tank. And so I'm driving along, and I'm thinking, I've got loads of, I I think there's a garage somewhere, and I'm watching the miles drop and knowing that i've got less and less diesel in the car and i'm passing petrol stations along the way how foolish is that putting stuff off when i there's a perfectly acceptable petrol station and i just pass it by because I, oh i think i can get a little further just putting off dealing with things are you like that do you put off taking responsibility You know, we're having baptisms in a a few weeks' time. And over the years, there are lots of uh, uh, reasons I understand why people find getting baptised here on a Sunday morning difficult. Big crowd of people nervous about standing in front of people. But sometimes I hear some excuses that I I just think that is ludicrous. And sometimes someone will say to me, I'm afraid of water. Now, there can be a genuine fear of water. But well, when I talk to people I and say, I say, do you go swimming in the sea? Yes. Do you go in the bath? Yes. Do you have a shower? Yes. And as I, I just sort of think, this, is, this seems like a ludicrous excuse. It sounds like the sluggard just procrastinating, putting it off. Let me encourage you, if you've not been baptized, and you're thinking about it, let me encourage you, get baptized on Easter Sunday. Come and talk to me at the end of the meeting. You see, the ant doesn't need any external motivation, doesn't need any prodding to take action. Jesus himself tells a story of of a good Samaritan. And uh, there's three characters in the story. And the first two characters fail to take responsibility for a guy who's lying beaten up at the side of the road, left for dead. They pass by on the other side because they're fearful of what's going to would happen to them if they stopped to help and it's the unexpected samaritan who should not help because he's of a different race that crosses the road to help he took he was prepared to take responsibility and jesus commends him for doing that jesus commends you for taking responsibility for where you should take responsibility There are lots of areas we need to do that. You need to do it. You are responsible for your own walk with God. Reading the Bible, praying. If you're a parent, you are responsible for bringing up your children or teenagers to know God. That's not shoving it down their throat. That's not being uh, legalistic with them. But to be a role model, to be an example, an encouragement that they would love God for themselves. It's your responsibility. You're responsible for developing friendships with people outside the church. Not because they're targets so that you can share your faith with them, but because God loves people. You're responsible. What you do with your time and your money, you are responsible for that. God holds you responsible for what you do. God God holds you responsible for your generosity. Don't be someone who has to be poked and prodded. Take initiative. Take responsibility for your finances. Honor God with your money. We'll talk about that a little bit later. What stops you taking responsibility? What stops you taking responsibility? I want to say just finally if you're going to take responsibility remember this it's not about you sometimes we live in because we live in this world we live in it's very individualistic everything is about us how we feel i i want to i'm going to take responsibility and it's just about you doing your own thing i want you to remember the ant the ant is all about doing what's best for the ant nest. It's all about the bigger picture. God wants to say to you this way, he wants you to be someone who takes responsibility, but it's not about you. There is a bigger picture. It's about honor, honoring his son, Jesus, who took responsibility for you and your sin when he died on the cross. He paid the price that you might be able to have a relationship with God. And so God wants you, in you taking responsibility, taking initiative, he wants you to do that for the sake of his son, for his son's glory. Take responsibility. The second thing, quickly, is pursue opportunities. Taking initiative involves pursuing opportunities. This is what it says in Proverbs 15 verse 19. The way of the sluggard is blocked with thorns, but the path of the upright is a highway. You see, the sluggard sees problems, just sees a pathway, it's blocked, it's overgrown, I can't do it, I can't, there's no point. The ant instead sees an opportunity. Sluggard sees problems, ant sees opportunities. See, the motto of the ant is seize the day, take the moment. Okay, this is an opportunity for us to break through. In Matthew chapter, uh, Mark chapter 5, we read uh, of Jesus. There's a big crowd of people gathered around Jesus, and Jesus is going to the home of Jairus. And as he's uh, as he's going, he's going to uh, his Jairus' daughter. The synagogue ruler's daughter is not well. He's in fact, she dies. But Jesus is there, and he's 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 going on. This crowd is pressing in and around him. And this woman with an issue of blood, she's been bleeding for years. She presses through the crowd and she reaches through and she grabs the hem of Jesus' cloak. And in that moment, she's healed. You see, for her. There's a big crowd. There's loads of people around Jesus. She could have gone, Well, it's not going to work today. I'll need to come back when there's less people. She could have been late. She could have said, That's it. I'm not going to, it's no point today. I'm never going to see him. That's never going to work. It's never going to happen. But you know what? She took initiative, she saw an opportunity. She said, this is an opportunity. I might never get this moment again. And she presses through and grabs hold at the edge of Jesus' garment. And she receives healing. God wants us to be those who see the opportunities, pursue opportunities. You see, nothing is impossible for God. We've been singing about it this morning. Nothing is too difficult for him. Difficulties and hardships are opportunities for us to pursue God through prayer. Let me say that again. Difficulties and hardships are opportunities for us to pursue God through prayer. The Bible talks in Luke chapter 2 about Anna, a widow who'd probably been a widow for over 50 years. And it says of her that she worshipped night and day, fasting and praying. She viewed her circumstances that were as tough as they could get as an opportunity to seek God. John Calvin said that prayer is the chief exercise of faith. Our prayer life shows what we really believe. If you really believe God, you will pray. When it gets tough you will seek God in prayer. See, the ant is completely focused and through sheer doggedness, an ant will move obstacles that seemingly are huge. If you ever watch an ant, it will somehow manage to move things that seem bigger than itself. Huge things in its way. It will move them. It will find a way to do it. God wants you to have the same doggedness and determination to press through. When things get tough, God wants you to be people who pursue hard after him. View it as an opportunity for God to demonstrate his power and his glory through you. Amen? It's true. God wants you to be like that. E.M. Bounds writes this, The utmost possibilities of prayer have rarely been realized. The promises of God are so great to those who truly pray, when he, that's God, puts himself so fully into the hands of the praying ones that it almost staggers our faith and causes us to hesitate with astonishment. His promise to answer and to do and to give all things anything whatsoever is so large, so great, so exceedingly broad that we stand back in amazement. Let us keep ever keep in mind and never for one moment allow ourselves to doubt the statement that God means what he says in all of his promises. You see, the sluggard always has a reason not to press through. The sluggard always has a reason not to pray. The sluggard always has a reason not to pursue God. Derek Kidner in his commentary on Proverbs says of the sluggard, so by inches and minutes his opportunity slips away. Don't let the opportunities in front of you slip away. Be someone who pursues hard after God. Use view difficulties as opportunities to see God break through. He may not do just what you want him to do, but you will see God break through. I promise you, you will find God to be faithful because he never breaks his word. Hallelujah. Pursue opportunities. Thirdly, prepare for the future. See, the third key to taking initiative is in preparing for the future. In Luke chapter 16, in the first nine verses, we read a quite remarkable parable that Jesus tells. He tells a a story about a shrewd manager. Shrewd is a nice way of putting the geyser shyster. And uh, he's in trouble. Uh, The boss has found out that he's been uh, not handling his affairs correctly and he's about to sack him. And the guy gets wind of it. The manager gets wind that he's in trouble. His job's about to go. So what he does, he calls everybody who owe his boss anything. He calls them in and he says, okay, you owe him 500 barrels of oil, right, I'll call that 300. And he does that with everyone who owes him the boss money. And he writes off some of the debt. Because what he's hoping for is that when he loses his job, because he knows he's going to lose his job. When he loses his job, he's hoping that they will accept him into their home. Maybe they'll give him a job. Maybe he will have curried a bit of favor with them. And Jesus Commends him for his shrewdness. He doesn't commend him because he's just ungodly. And he's but what he's saying is this. He is, this guy is planning for his future. He's unjust. He's a shyster, but he's planning for his future. Jesus says, so how much more should you do the same? Jesus says this. He says, I tell you, use worldly wealth to gain friends for yourself so that when it's all gone, you will be welcomed into eternal dwellings. See, Jesus' learning lesson is that we should be wise in preparing for eternity. You see, the ant intuitively knows something of the seasons of life. It gathers food because at harvest time because it knows, it senses, it knows that there's a season coming, that there won't be much food around. So it prepares for the future, plans for the future. The sluggard pays no attention to the future. Proverbs 20 20 verse 4 tells us that a sluggard will not plough in season. So at harvest time he looks but finds nothing. That's what the sluggard is like. The point is, if you want to reap at the proper time, you're going to need to sow. If you want to have resources to draw on when times get tough, you need to have something in the bank now. And so the biblical principle is this is think about the future. Not just this life, but eternity, way beyond the boundaries of this life. Because this life isn't all there is. We will spend eternity in the presence of God, and Jesus says prepare for eternity. What you do with the stuff of this life, sowing for eternity. What you do with your money is important. You see, what you God blesses you. Everything you have comes from God. Every resource comes from God. He's the one that causes you to prosper in your job. He gives you the ability to earn money, the Bible says. And so the point is this, that God blesses you. And so God, in the Bible, it says we need to honor God with our money. What that looks like is the first fruits, the first, the first bit that you get. You give back to God and you say, God, thank you so much for what you've given me. I want to honor you. This is from you. This is a sign that I know this is from you. It's a sign that you have given me all this. That's why numbers of people in the church tie. They give 10%, the first 10% of their income. and They give it to the church, not because they want the church to be wealthy, but they want to honour God with their money. What they're saying is, everything I have comes from you, God. And the amazing thing about God is this, that he blesses you when you do that. What a remarkable God. He gives you everything. You honour him with the first fruits of what you get and God blesses you for it wow but the point is you see is that you're demonstrating that your source is God it's not your bank account it's not the nationwide your neck nationwide flex account you know that God is your source and so that when times get tough you have stored up resources in heaven There is a God in heaven who is going to bless you because he knows that you're faithful with your finances. He knows that you honor him. He knows that that you know that it comes from him. God wants us to prepare for the future. God wants you, if you're thinking about getting married, you need to prepare to get married. We do pre-marriage preparation classes for people thinking about getting married. If you're going if you're in your teens, you're thinking about your future. Maybe you're a student at the moment. You're thinking, what am I going to do? And so you're thinking about careers and jobs and what course should I do in university? That's it. I tell you, that is good to think about. It's tough when you're 16, 17, 18. You don't know, what do I want to do? I don't know. Well, pray, ask God, God, help me make the right decision. Show me what I should be doing. Make wise decisions. Plan for your future. You see, preparing for what lies ahead is a sign of the wise person. The sluggard only has eyes for the present. Fourthly, taking initiative involves working hard. I tell you, we live in a world where people don't like working hard. The sluggard doesn't like working hard. It says of the sluggard in uh, Proverbs 26, verse 14, As a door turns on its hinges, so a sluggard turns on his bed. Have you ever worked with anyone like that? I did. I had a guy who worked for me many years ago. Some of you will remember me telling the story. and uh, He was a junior in my team. And uh, he, was re- he was just coming in later and later after flexi time had started. And in the end, I had to, I had to deal with it. And I said to him, if this happens again, I'm going to have to, it's going to be it's a it's discipline issue. We're going to have to deal with this properly. And there was this one day, and I could see the clock ticking, and I'm thinking, he's not coming in. And so I just had to make a decision. So I got in my car, I drove to his house, I knocked on the door. I got him out of bed, I got him, didn't get him dressed, but I got him into work, got him into work on time, and I said to him, if this ever happens again, that is it, this is your last chance, make something of your life. He is now, he is now doing really well. He learned his lesson, and he would say that that was a pivotal moment for him. At that moment, he stopped being a sluggard and he took responsibility for his own life and he started to work hard and it all started to change for him. The Proverbs talks about all sorts of things. It says this, the sluggard craves and gets nothing, but the desires of the diligent are fully satisfied. Do you want to be satisfied? Then work hard. Work hard with Work with all your strength at what God gives you to do. Do it to the best of your ability. It says this in Proverbs 14, 23. All hard work brings a profit, but mere talk leads only to poverty. Hard work brings profit. Paul encourages the Colossian believers, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for men. What you do, you do it for God. When I worked for the counseling planet, I tell you, I loved my job. I loved my job. I wasn't sitting in my job thinking, I hate my job, it's boring, I hate it, I can't wait, I just want God to open up a door for me to go and work for the church. I loved my job. I loved it. I worked hard at it. It was tough. There were, uh, there were days when, and they will tell you, that at the end of the week, I was yellow at the end of the week. It, I was yellow because I was pale, I was working long hours, I was preaching on Sundays, I was elders meetings till sort of 11, 12 o'clock on a Monday night. I was leading a small group, I was overseeing groups, I was hosting meetings, I had two young children, we were building a building, we were doing it ourselves. I gave myself to it, I loved my job, I loved what I did. I tell you, I, I, I made some really bad mistakes in terms of probably working too hard, but I tell you, hard work is good for you. Ecclesiastes says this, 5, Ecclesiastes five nineteen to 20, Moreover, when God gives any man wealth and possessions and enables him to enjoy them, to accept his lot and be happy in his work, this is a gift of God. He seldom reflects on the days of his life because God keeps him occupied with gladness of heart. Is that a challenge for you? Your working environment? Maybe it's your boss. Maybe it's the routine of what you do. Maybe you find it really boring. Whatever the issue lies, what make sure you don't grumble and complain. Work with a good attitude. Speak well of those around you. Do your job to the best of your ability and remember you're doing it for God. And if it's time to find another job, handle yourself with integrity. Work hard. Finally, taking initiative means pressing on for the best. We can agree with this principle uh, uh, about taking initiative. We can understand that it's important that we do it. But we're all vulnerable to being members of what I call the two out of three ain't bad club. Some of you will remember in the 80s a band called Meatloaf. And Meatloaf uh, did a song and a song was called two out of three ain't bad. Is that what you're like? You do well in certain areas. I'm, I'm okay at that. I'm doing well in that. I'm doing well in, in my job. Uh, I'm doing well with uh, my family, but my spiritual life—it does I'm doing well in those areas. That's enough. Two out of three ain't bad. Two out of three is okay. God understands. Bill Hybels, in his book *Making Life Work*, calls this selective sluggardliness. I'm not sure it's an actual word, sluggardliness. Do you have one area of weakness? Let me tell you that you are vulnerable if you do. The Bible's full of warnings. Talks about about Solomon, the wisest, supposedly the wisest king, and yet he gets messed up with women. He has more wives than you can shake a stick at. And it causes his ruin. Absolute ruin. He was lazy in one area. You read in the Old Testament of a guy called Eli who was the high priest and he had two, two sons and they were rebels they were bad boys and he never disciplined them he never dealt with them as he ought to have done and it caused his ruin are there areas that you've taken your foot off the gas maybe it's maybe it's The area of forgiveness. You do well in lots of but deep down you you're holding something in your heart. You cannot let go, you will not let go. Let me tell you, don't be selectively sluggardly. Leg deal with it before God. Maybe it's the area of your walk with God. Maybe it's the area of your weight. Maybe it's about what you do with your money. Don't be a member of the two out of three in bad club. God wants better for you. Paul says this in Philippians. Philippians chapter 3. Paul talks about how the importance of pressing on. He says this. Not that I have already obtained all this or have already been made perfect, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers, I don't consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what's behind and straining towards what's ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenwards in Christ Jesus. All of us who are mature should take such a view of things. God doesn't want you to be selectively sluggardly. Press on, push through, deal with the air. If there's something this morning that God's put his finger on and you know what it is, let God deal with it. Press through. As we draw to a conclusion this morning, someone once said this, there are three types of people in the world. Those who don't know what is happening, those who watch what is happening, and those who make things happen. Wise people make things happen. Wise people take initiative. They see a problem and act on it. They don't just sit passively and wait for opportunities to come. They prayerfully take action. God took the initiative when we turned away from him. He took responsibility for our sin. Our wrongdoing, our rebellion. It was our fault. He knew that we wouldn't and we couldn't take responsibility for us for our own actions. So whilst we were still sinners, Christ died for us. God took initiative for you. Jesus seized the moment. What looked like the blackest moment in all history, Jesus took the moment. It was an opportunity. And Jesus saw it through. Jesus pressed through for you and for me. He turned our sin into an opportunity for the grace of God. Paul puts it like this, For if by the trespass of the one man death reigned through that one man, how much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and of the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. Jesus has opened a way for you to relate to God, to know the grace of God. He prepared a way into the presence of God once for all. He's done it so that your future may be secure for eternity. If you've never given your life to Jesus Christ, you can do it this morning. You can prepare for eternity. Right now this morning, you can give your life to him. Jesus endured the cross. He pressed through. He faced the hardship of the cross for us. He didn't shirk the hard yards for us. And as a result, we can be forgiven. We need to fix our eyes on him and imitate the same attitude. You see, Jesus settled for nothing less than our complete salvation. He wants you to be people who take responsibility. Take responsibility for where you're at, issues that you're facing. If you're going through a tough time, Maybe this morning you need to stop viewing yourself as a victim and you need to say, okay, God, I receive this as part of your discipline, your shaping of me. I'm going to take this situation as an opportunity for you to break through and do something for me. And I'm going to seek you with all my heart. Maybe this morning you know you need to start planning for the future. Maybe you've just been really lazy about your future. There's all sorts of practical things that we need to do about our future. Things like preparing wills, writing wills. I tell you, I've watched so many families fall apart because wills are not written. Honestly. You think, oh no, it wouldn't. I remember remember my mum saying to me, don't worry Steve, it will be okay, it doesn't matter. I said, mum, it will matter. It will, I tell you, it did. I've watched... Families torn apart because people didn't plan for the future. I've watched people thinking, putting off, coming to Christ, giving their lives to Christ because they thought there'd always be another day. Well, there isn't always another day. Don't put off what you can do today. Give yourself to living for Jesus Christ. Urge you with all my heart, give yourself to living for Him. Work hard. Work hard. Whether that be in work, with your family life, with your neighbors, in the church, whatever it is, give yourself to it. Do your best for Christ. Be the best you can be. Don't allow any area to be less than the best. Don't settle for second best in any area. We're going to finish there. We're going to worship God with a song. And uh, there'll be an opportunity at the end for for us to respond to God. So if the, Johnny and the band can come out. We're going to sing a song that's very Christ-centered because this is all about him, because he's done it for us. And in response to his great love and his sacrifice for us, We want to be the best that we can be for him. So let's stand together. While they get, are they just preparing? We're going to pray. God, I just pray for us right now. We open our hearts to you. Father, we say we want to be the best that we can be for you. We don't want to be lazy. We don't want to procrastinate. We don't want to put off what we can do today. We don't want to be like... The sluggard, we want to be like the ant that works hard for you, that loves you, puts you first. We want you to be the very center of our lives. God, thank you so much that you took responsibility for us. Father, we want to take responsibility for our own lives. We want to be the best that we can be for you. We want to serve you with all our hearts we want to view every obstacle as an opportunity for you to break through because you're faithful you're a god who does the impossible you you spectacularly do the impossible you're a god who specializes in it and so we want in our moments of need to come to you because you're our source you're our great hope you're our faithful father And Father, we want to be those who plan well for the future. Father, we want to live well in this life, but we want to live with our eyes on eternity because there is a better day coming. God, there is a day coming where we will be with you forever and ever and we will look back on these days and be oh so glad that we pressed through by the grace of God. Father, we want to be men and women who do that for you. Father, we want to be the best we can be. We want to press. We don't allow there to be any areas in our lives where we settle for second best. Jesus, we want to honour you with our lives. We want to honour you because you gave yourself for us. Jesus, we say to you this morning, you are magnificent. We love you. You are our great hope.